1: Welcome, Goss fans, Sant fans, fans of film, quote-unquote, and anyone who's ready for a really sobering conversation. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years, the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, your junior year is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Spring has sprung here, at least in the New York metro. And I know you guys are looking outside, looking at out that window, seeing those those flower buds on the tree, even some flowers, seeing the little sprouts of green for leaves, of course. And you're like, I want to go outside. Remember when you used to ask your teacher, hey, can we have class outside? What an absurd absurd statement <laughs> or request i should say but nope we still have homework to talk about and of course that homework involves the easiest thing you can do hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening google Podcasts, apple podcast spotify and stitcher and of course one of the best things you can do with high school slumber party in terms of forwarding our message and forwarding what we do here is by telling a friend about High School Slumber Party. Come on, just a little nudge, a little nudge our way. You could also give us a five-star review if your app allows that. You can also give us a positive, positive write-up in the review section. That helps as well. One more thing I always like to remind you of, You can always check out old episodes of High School Slumber Party, not just on whatever podcast app you're listening right now, but on KHClub.me. That's KHClub.me, the home of so many other great podcasts, great pop culture podcasts, podcasts on life and weird stuff. It's a fun place to be, I'll tell you that much. So, more homework. The last two episodes... Let's start with last Friday's episode, because it is a Gus Van Sant film. We're talking another Gus Van Sant film today, and that was Finding Forrester. I was going to go into the Connery, but I screwed up so many times, I'm not going to do it. Mike Manson was here. We talked Finding Forrester for a long time. Joe Lewandowski, the godfather of this podcast network, was not impressed, but it was a fun conversation. Love talking with Mike. Sometimes those are going to go long. I think you'll be entertained by it. Well, I know you were entertained by it because you did your homework. That was part of your homework, of course. But your Monday homework, equally as important, maybe even more important, the debut of High School Slumber Party AP, our new spin-off show on the feed. Iceland Addington is my official co-host, my equal on that show. I've let her into the Slumber Party room, the Slumber Party classroom. And yeah, we're teaching some films from the last three to five years modern films and we started with 2021 film Amazon The Map of Tiny Perfect Things I had a blast talking with Iceland I know we're only doing it once a month the first Monday of every month but I'm like yo let's do this all the time let's record let's record <laughs> because I want to record more I love modern teen films as much as I love nostalgic teen films Ooh sometimes that rattles in your ear and you're just like ah but that's the intention the bell doesn't dismiss you guys I dismiss you. Have a seat. I got a lot more to talk about. And don't worry, we'll get to the episode and we'll get to the great Danny Kim. This is an important one. This is one I'm going to give you a warning about, an elephant. But before that, just wanted to talk about a couple things. One in particular, got a message from our good old friend, Whistle Thinking host, or former Whistle Thinking host? I don't even know. I hope Whistle Thinking comes back, but got a message from Kara Gale O'Regan. She let me know that a film that I've been looking out for, basically because of her, but this was a film that was supposed to screen at South by Southwest last year, Best Summer Ever. Well, there's a screening in Queens at the Queens Drive-In, and you know I love Queens. I love Flushing Meadow Park. I was born in Flushing. Unfortunately, the screening for this film is Thursday, April 29th, 7.30 p.m., and I can't make it. I will be out of town. I'm in between vaccine rounds, but I'll have my vaccine by then. Thank you very much. All those judging. <laughs> no, but it's good to judge that. I, well, don't be too mean. But yes, it's a fair question to ask. Anyway, best summer ever. We're going to cover it here on this podcast with Kara. Like the official write-up says it all. It's the first of its kind musical featuring a fully integrated cast and crew of disabled and non-disabled people. Color me curious. Color me excited. If inclusivity is not your thing, then hey, maybe you're not going to like the movie. Inclusivity is something I enjoy. Different things is something I enjoy. Hollywood is so cookie-cutter, so this should be an awesome movie. It's going to be streaming soon. I think it might even be available for pre-order. I'm going to check that out after we record. And, yeah, Karen and I are going to talk about it on this podcast. So keep an ear out for that. I'll keep reminding you about it. If you are in the greater Queens metropolitan area, you want to check this film out. Queens drive so freaking cool. Speaking of vaccines and spring and all that. You know, it's been a little bit over a year since full-on quarantine and crazy, crazy mode. Again, I remember being in South Africa and getting the call mid-trip that I had to come back home. Crazy. Can't believe it's been a year, but lives have changed. I've been working from home. I I just had this moment the other day. I'm working from home, you know, legitimately doing work on my computer, and, you know, I'll put movies on in the background, not the movies I have to pay attention to for High School Slumber Party, just random movies. And I had Castaway on in the background. And I'm writing this really, really important email. And the scene in the background is just like that, Wilson! son Scene. And I'm just like, what is going on? I know there's been people who've been working from home for, like, their whole life, like the godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski. But for me, who someone who worked in an office... Just like, you know, writing that important email and thinking about that in the background. I'm like, wow, what a wild year it's been. Hopefully with vaccines and all that, we're going to have a nice little return to normalcy. Until then, obviously, we shout out our healthcare heroes, keep safe. But just thought I'd share that little nugget before we get into Elephant. Okay, Elephant. Just going to be blunt with you. It's a movie about a school shooting, probably loosely based on Columbine. Gus Van Sant... He's an artist. This is a great film, but I totally get if you want to opt out here. This is not for the faint of heart. Not only are we going to talk about some delicate things, well, I play clips from the movie. I debated not playing clips from the movie, to be honest with you, but I decided to because it's not my job to censor. If we're talking about this movie, then you should have done your homework and seen it anyway. And, you know, if you don't want to listen, you don't want to listen. I totally, totally get that, and I don't mean that in a mean or snarky way. I get it. It's a tough, tough thing to talk about. My good friend Danny Kim, high school classmate of mine, but someone who's, you know, SVA guy, SVA guy. He studies film. He loves films. Very talented photographer. He will probably be mad that I'm plugging this again, but, of course, he was on the cover of Time magazine, Time magazine twice this year for photography, and his work as a healthcare hero, so double accolades there, but yeah, him and I kind of even struggle to talk about this movie at times, because it's so, so tough, so I definitely, definitely get it, but yeah, I mean, we're doing our little Gus Van Sant lap, it's not a movie we had to talk about the movie, I'm glad we talked about it. and honestly, I think it's a really good movie, not to spoil the episode, so you know what, let's do it, pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on? I think we should just say we're about to get our very serious discussion on. Class dismissed. Danny Kim. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, We're talking elephant today and it's funny because this kind of a uh, you picking elephant kind of started me on this whole Gus Van Sant thing.
0: Oh, did I pick? Did I pick elephant? Yeah,
1: you you picked elephant. Oh, because I was going to ask you like, why did you pick me for elephant? No, you picked it at oh, once. Did I pick it? Okay. You suggested it once. Yeah, and yeah then you're like Okay. I don't know when. I don't know. It might have been after we recorded. It might have been when we were. Oh, I
0: think I, s- I sent you a text of all the movies that we could talk okay. about, and Elephant was one of them. Okay. Now, yeah. now I remember. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then you kind of got me on this Gus Van Sant thing because we were supposed to record one day you had to postpone and I'm like oh okay let me just see someone else on my list and what movie there was and Kyle had randomly picked this movie to die for and then I realized it was also directed by Gus Van Sant I'm like that's interesting I want to see how many teen adjacent movies he's directed and it was like four or five of them depending on the list you count I'm like wow this guy's done a lot of teen films or at Mm -hmm. least again they're not like Ferris Bueller style teen films but he's examined teenagers a lot we'll put it that way it's funny because after you said you're on a Gus Van Sant sort
0: of uh, thing going on, they put me on a Gus Van Sant sort of
1: marathon too. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was going to be my next question, but, uh, but I didn't get too far though. But before any of that, introduce yourself in the classic high school lumber party model, and then we'll get on with this conversation because right. I'm itching to go. My name's Danny Kim. I graduated
0: from Northern Valley Regional High School in 2005. And our mascot
1: is the Golden Knights. And of course we went to high school together, so I'm sure we'll have some stories. Or not, and uh, we'll see. Elephant, you know, we're going to talk about some difficult things today, that's for sure. But before that... Very heavy stuff. For sure. Gus Van Zant, though. Um, What's your history first with Gus Van Zant? And tell me about the little uh, Gus Van Zant rabbit hole. Um, So,
0: I first watched Elephant in high school. In Housley's film films oh, class. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know. He was teaching that. That's
1: yeah. ooh, that's a fucked up movie to yeah. put in both, a whole high school choice, classroom. Yeah. Both <laughs> choice in a
0: high school classroom. And then after that, I knew that he was a photographer, so I was familiar with some of his photography. Oh really? Um, yeah, nothing too deep. And then, and then you know, Gus Van Sant—it's a name you can't forget. I never really dug deep into his work. I assumed that Gus Van Sant was—he was like this european like french new wave director from europe because <laughs> of the name yeah. yeah totally because of the name <laughs> and then i when i look when i looked him up he's from louisville kentucky and um since you told me about oh you're on a gus vincent uh rabbit hole um i, I watched elephant again and then I, uh, I watched um last days and then i just downloaded uh jerry yeah the death trilogy so it made sense to watch that next and i goodwill hunting and milk and his bigger films bigger blockbusters
1: it's fascinating on this kind of gus van sant run you can re- you realize like he does these big blockbusters and he does these really really intimate films i love how he can do that it's awesome yeah. it's awesome i had
0: no idea uh, goodwill hunting hunting was gus van sant too
1: that's where i first discovered him because you know growing up I'm a big fan of uh, the musician elliot smith and uh elliot smith Grew up in Portland, and Gus Van Sant actually like, made his bones in Portland. He was born in Louisville, but uh, he, he kind of grew up in Portland as well. He started his early career out as a commercial director in uh, Seattle and Portland and that area. And um, he put Elliot Smith on the Good Will Hunting soundtrack. He does a lot of the music for that. that and that's kind of how I was like, oh, Gus Van Sant. And then when he did Milk, I'm like, oh, right, that makes sense. Um, I knew he was gay. Milk, you know, obviously, gay story, not an mm-hmm. exclusively gay story. Right, right. You know what I mean? But uh, I didn't know too much about him, and then when I looked up his IMDb recently, and I saw all these films. Uh, some I'd heard of, like Finding Forrester, and some that I hadn't heard of. That we're going to cover, like next week's film, Paranoid Park. Um, and then I was so, you know, so fascinated with him. And yes, he can go between the blockbuster and the small and intimate independent film. But there are these connecting dots in all his work, which is, which is awesome to see. So elephant, I actually had never seen elephant before. I knew what it was about. I was excited to see it and talk about it with you. Um, Very, very dark movie. You know, let's, you know, discuss the elephant in the room, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about school shootings, mash or Ush school shooting. But school shootings is the topic, mass shootings, something that has come back into prevalence. It feels like in the media, we've had a couple recently. It seems like a lot happened in Colorado. I think the movie theater incident, uh, Aurora, yeah. Colorado, happened yeah. there too. Yeah. It just it's, it's something that's I know a sensitive topic for a lot of people, and it divulges into stuff about gun rights and things. But it is something that, from a high school lens, is really important to tackle and talk about i know for us growing up it was something that was really coming into its own if that's even a way to say it but it was something that we were discussing growing up in, in high school that was like the crisis to me before 9-11 right yeah
0: i remember coming home from school and watching it on the news like it was yesterday and same thing for 9-11 i remember coming home from school mm-hmm. and watching on the news and um it was just one of those major events in our young lifetime that you just that just so ingrained in your mind for sure for sure
1: and of course we're referring to columbine which there were mass shootings before that but columbine for the high school mass shooting was kind of that moment in this country where people were like oh shit this is going on there's a lot of copycats of columbine and there's still school shootings today you know, just kind of our background, I remember in high school doing lockdown drills and them mm-hmm. laughing. And I know they still do lockdown, lockdown drills. Lockdown
0: drills. Some schools got metal detectors, security guards, even cops. Um, we didn't take it that seriously. But then looking back, at like,
1: holy shit. Yeah.
0: I actually did go back to um, our high school a couple of years ago, maybe 2000, 2018. And um, you cannot go inside campus, inside the building, without passing this. First of all, the doors are completely locked. And I think for the students as well, you have to s- swipe your ID card to get wow. through school. Or to, be, or to be a valid visitor or student of the school
1: to get through the doors. Insane, insane.
0: When we were in high school, the doors were wide open. Ooh. Remember when, when the weather was warm out? All the doors were all just doors wide were open, open yeah. front and back. And this
1: post-Columbine.
0: Yeah, that was like, yeah, 2003, 2004, 2005. What year
1: was Columbine, 97? 97, yeah. I don't remember what grade we were in, but I remember um, someone we both know the next day coming to school with a trench coat and saying, I'm in the trench coat mafia, and thinking it was hilarious. We didn't take anything seriously back then. But it was it was scary, you know. And then thinking about like that, like Oh, I'm sorry,
0: it's 1999.
1: 99. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That makes a- more sense. April 20th,
0: 1999.
1: Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. I guess the point I'm getting to though is that when you're a kid, you don't realize how how scary that is and how scary that could be. I remember again in lockdown drills in high school, just laughing and being like, "Oh, the teacher should be snipers, haha." Things like that. And then the older you get, and you think of how vulnerable like these kids are in school. You really, as a kid, at least growing up where we did in like the, the sleepy suburbs, school was such a safe haven. You'd never believe that these kind of things would happen in school. And even though you're seeing it in the news, it's not as scary as when you're an adult, I guess. And that's like, looking back now and reading about like those kids now, there's, not, there's nothing funny about it. I remember even getting things like the, um, You remember? we might have talked about this on air. Or even off air, but remember when like punters were big, mm-hmm. people used to like share like the anarchist cookbook. Like I had were... the I had the Sepultura punter. <laughs> that always worked. <laughs> but that these those like anarchist shit they used to come with like manuals to do stuff. the anarchist cookbook. Yeah, yeah right. And these yeah. come with manuals to like make bombs and mm-hmm. what to do in like a seed situation. It was just funny to have on your computer. But... Yeah. But it's not funny, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not funny, and that's why I bring it up.
0: It's, yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up because when back in 1999, you know, we were in seventh or eighth grade. I think we were in sixth grade, seventh grade, I sixth grade was it? Sixth or seventh? I th- I want to say sixth grade. Anyway, but like, <laughs> I remember watching it on the news, and you're so detached from it. the The event was just terrible. But when after watching this movie, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of Ooh. reading about Columbine. And watching interviews and reading the articles and, like, it's some heavy shit. I just responded to it in a completely different way.
1: For sure, for yeah. sure. I don't know, I think I think it's hard to grasp that when you're young. Mm-hmm. Unless you're seeing that in front of you, perhaps. But, I, you know, my heart goes out to those kids, those parents, and just people, again. Like, again, you send your kid away to school thinking it's a safe place and then it's not. That's a really, really yeah. scary thing. Anything else from, like your childhood or or growing up or high school or even after that, that this movie made you think of before we kind of get into the movie?
0: Mm, It made me think about when, when a major event happens like this, we're so saturated by the images and the news outlets and just like the constant bombardment of information, even more so today I think being able to look at it in retrospect, like the experience of doing that is so much different because I think when, when, it's, when things are presently happening, you're just, you're, just, you're just collecting information, just processing it. But when I was looking back and reading about Columbine or even 9-11 or other major events in history, it's just like, wow, like I think about we lived through that. And it was just, it was just so, so terrible what happened. And I feel the, the grief, And the darkness of it, so much more reading back than just like experiencing it like at the moment.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, even, you know, I'll show you my immaturity here. Or at the time when I was in college, there was actually like a shooter on campus and they locked down the campus. And I had just gotten into this creative writing class and I had written a story that I was really proud of. And I was supposed to present it that day. And the class was canceled because there was a shooter on campus. Luckily, the shooter was an idiot for a lot of reasons, but, like, he didn't load the gun properly. No one died. Um, and it ended up being a non-story, thank God. But it's know?
0: crazy. It happened at your school, at college. My school. You had a shooter on campus in your school experience. My, my girlfriend
1: was locked down in the library for hours. And I remember all I was thinking about was, damn... I really wanted to present my story and I didn't get to do that. I didn't know about this. I had no idea this happened. Because it was just not again, I was just like looking back and like what the you know, people could have died, like my friends could have died. Yeah. And I was so selfishly thinking like that. And it's just so crazy. It's just again, the perspective of being a little bit older and a, and seeing this in a different light, it's just so different than like who I was or where I was when I was in that. Again, I'm sure if I was you know, faced with a gun in school. But then again, so when I was at St. John's again, I think that same semester, I took a lot of night classes because the night classes in college, you could take like a three-hour class.
0: Is St. John's like an enclosed campus? Like, yes like and a no. a traditional yeah, it is, it campus? Is.
1: It is. But it's very, you know, it's, a, it's in, for those of you who don't know, it's in Queens. It's in a very urban area. So it's not like, you know, going to Michigan State or a school like mm-hmm. that where it's just like, you know, or maybe not, I should say it's a bad Marist example, College.
0: Really. It's all fenced in.
1: Ma- yes, Marist. And Marist <laughs> is like, you know, I, I don't went know. there for a semester. I- I'm thinking of a school that, like, like, my brother went to University of Maryland, like, big campus. And the University campus dominates. The, yeah, yeah. the campus dominates the entire town. That's not St. John. St. John's not going to dominate Queens or New York City or anything like yeah. that. But it's still an enclosed <laughs> campus. And very, very tight security. Very tight security. You couldn't get on without an ID. Hmm. However, it was a student, so. Regardless, at St. John's, though, I took a lot of night classes a couple semesters because they were you just three hours class that was straight, but it was once a week. You know, I'm like, Easy. yeah, I remember those. Get yeah. it just over with, it out. yeah. And a lot of commuters used to take those classes, and I remember this one kid, this really nice kid. One day after class, he drops his backpack, and a gun comes out of it, like a handgun. Really? And I wasn't even phased. I looked at it. He picked it up. I was like, oh shit. And then I remember walking back to my dorm, why would he bring a toy gun to class? I was thinking about that. <laughs> was it a real gun? You know, like a couple days later, or like maybe the next day, I'm like, oh, holy shit, that was a real gun. So it was like, a real gun. Of course it was. Why would he bring a toy gun to class? But what at if the ta- it was a toy gun? It's the more it to be a real gun. The way it hit the ground. Yeah. The way it looked like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, to be honest with you, he was a commuter. I just happen to know he came from a rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, should I report this kid? And I'm like, you know what? I know he didn't come to kill people at school. I mean, he shouldn't have a gun on campus. I know he's from a rough neighborhood. This is a guy getting his education. If I say that, he's going to be screwed for life. You know what I mean? I How hope- do you know?
0: Because, like you saw in the movie Elephant, true, you just true, don't know. true. And people make assumptions. Bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. Regardless.
1: <laughs> but again, at least in the first 24 hours, I totally I was so in Shangri-La in my head, so naive thinking that, that was a fake gun. I don't yeah, know if
0: I saw a gun is going to be like that's fucked up right right away. You're not supposed You're to. You're better have than shit. me at the yeah. at
1: the time I was just yeah. like okay, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh god, that's scary. Looking <laughs> back that's scary. Um this movie I am debating whether to just ask you this question at the beginning or the end, but I'll just ask it now just so we can get it off the table. Okay. Um controversial film, of course. Do you even think films like this should be made about these subjects?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because there are some who argue that they're taking advantage of, or what do you well, call we, we do it? it? Selling it. You we, know what we I mean. We
0: do it. I think. I think that happens a lot in film or any other medium. But I don't think we should exclude that. Oh, you're not. You shouldn't make a movie about this. But there is a certain way that a movie can be done. Um, I don't want to say tastefully, but or respectfully, but when I watched this movie again, it, sh- it, it really was a, the best way I could put it's just a mirror to what actually ha- what happened. It's or not, what can happen. Or know? what can happen. Yeah. Because it's not a, you know, it's not Nicolas Cage starring at World Trade Center. It's not Tom <laughs> Hanks and, what is it, the Hudson Plane <laughs> Rescue? Sully. S- uh, Sully. There's no glamour about this movie. Even though it's a scripted film, it really shows what could happen or what did happen just like as it is. And And I think that's really hard. I don't think it's hard,
1: but it's very rare for a movie to do that. That's something that I really took away from this film, that Gus Van Zandt's not trying to glamorize this or call anyone a hero or anything like that. Maybe for brief moments, but I was just watching... I don't want to say for fun, because it's about a tragedy, but uh, Patriot Day, it's like the movie with...
0: I haven't seen that yet, but it, that's the marathon, right? Yeah, the
1: marathon thing. And it is sort of... I mean, it's I think it's better than World Trade Center, but it is one of those movies where like Mark Wahlberg is a made-up character, but he's like the hero of this story, and the, it's interesting in a sense they're trying to track these guys down, but there's heroes and villains mm-hmm. in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yes, the shooters are very much the villains of this, I'm not saying that, but... But there's no hero in this movie. There's no hero. It just shows that, yeah. like, normal life. So I did my homework a little bit early for next week's episode and watched a movie called Paranoid Park, which is Gus Van Sant's next teen film. It's part of this quadra. Originally it was a trilogy. Now it's like a quad. I don't know what they call it, but there's four movies in his, like, this kind of scheme. Jerry, it was the other? Quadology. Quad- is that a word? It's Jerry, it's Elephant, it's this one, and there's another one, and I can't remember. I'll look it up. But Paranoid Park, you should definitely check it out. It's very much like this. And that's that's a more intimate story. Paranoid Park is about a kid who, may, I won't spoil it because it is your homework, but a crime happens and he it's just about one kid. Like very much in the style. Um, different aspect ratio, which I found fascinating. Paranoid Park is in that like Academy a- aspect ratio, which is just like the, the square box. Yeah. You know, and that, that was really cool. This isn't, but there's a lot of similarities and we'll get into it. I think that tasteful is a bad word, but this was done as tasteful as possible. It wasn't saying this was right, this is wrong. It wasn't saying these are why these people are killers. It gave you little clues that maybe this is why, maybe... It wasn't passing... It wasn't making any assumptions. Assumptions, yes. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. It wasn't making any assumptions. Right. Like a freaking World Trade Center. Or maybe not that one, but like Patriot's Day or the one about the United
0: flight. Right, because you don't really... Go into the characters' minds in this in this movie. Exactly, this, we can guess. This is this this movie is literally just a camera following
1: students. The only controversy I saw from this film, and it's like, oh shit, was um, I'm not sure in your research if you saw that thing about the Red Lake shooting controversy.
0: Yeah, I read about that. So, the...
1: so Red Lake was a school shooting that happened in on an Indian reservation in Minnesota, I believe. A disillusioned kid, he was kicked out of school. I'm uh, summarizing guys. But he was kicked out of school and he came back and killed a lot of his former classmates. And he actually watched this movie fourteen days or something like that, or like a you know, two week, two or three weeks before. Long story short, really, a lot of people were like, Oh shit, they kinda blame this movie for this. Now people say like the guy's probably gonna do it anyway. Apparently he rented the movie fast forward to these scenes. He didn't copycat it, but he was ready, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You don't want a movie like this, I guess, to get into the wrong hands. But I can't even—I like, don't want to censor anything anyway. It's—it's it's difficult. It's difficult to talk about. Yeah, it's that's a whole other
0: can of worms. It's like who is to blame, and you know what's the cause of it, and is, is it the symptom or what's the underlying cause of you know these tragedies?
1: Because he could, the kid could have easily just looked up the Columbine massacre and done the research there and gotten a lot of similar stuff. You know, and you
0: could even. This is a very popular notion, but you could even blame the media and the news.
1: Media, news, a right. lot, of, lot of things potentially to blame, but that's one thing that this movie got a lot of shit for. Uh, that ended up happening a couple of years later. However, I'm on the side that I think Gus Van Sant handles very well, especially with the fact that this is not the Columbine story. He took a lot of research from it, true, but this is its own unique school shooting story. It doesn't sensationalize it. You feel like you're there. He tells stories of characters, and like you said, they're not heroes. They're not villains either, the high school kids. They're just regular high school kids. So when you see their death, it's super impactful. If you haven't seen Elephant, though, again, you didn't do your homework, but every week I do read the back of the DVD. It's kind of a long one, so here goes. Winner of the Palme d'Or and Best Director Prizes at the 2003 Cannes Film Festival, Gus Van Zandt's realistic drama, Elephant, takes us inside an American high school on one single ordinary day that very rapidly turns tragic. The story unfolds, filled with classwork, football, gossip, and socializing. It observes the comings and goings of its characters from a safe distance, allowing us to see them as they are. With each student, we see high school through a different experience, a new lens. These experiences range from friendly and innocent to traumatic and deeply disturbing. Elephant Demonstrates, that the high school life is a complex landscape where the vitality and beauty of young lives can shift from light to darkness with surreal speed. It's an ordinary high school day, except that it's not. And that's a really good way to put it, you know. I watch these movies a lot for this podcast, and he has a way of depicting students that makes them feel so real and so honest. Some of the most real portrayals of kids have been in his films. You know, an elephant is a great, great example of that. Here's some production notes for you guys. Gus Van Zandt actually had interest in doing a documentary originally about Columbine. He abandoned that to do this. He just kind of wanted to tell a story rather than do that kind of documentary. We don't know a lot about the kids in Columbine. People think they do. Like I mentioned the Trenchcoat Mafia early. That was quickly dismissed that they weren't even in that clique. It was just something that the media spread. There's a lot of rumors about them. But you'll talk to one kid in that high school and they'll say, oh, there were two nerds who were both picked on. You'll talk to another kid in that high school who say, oh, they were in a clique of friends and they were really well liked. So yeah. it's all hearsay gossip and we really, really don't know. We have their tapes. The FBI knows more than we do. In the Columbine incident, one of the kids they labeled a legitimate psychopath. The other one they labeled like a depressed person who was bullied. Um, they influenced each other. Um,
0: you, you can say this this movie serves its purpose more more powerful than a documentary because I agree because it, people make documentaries to inform, to serve a certain opinion, just to, to show certain truths of a, a certain topic. But I think the way this film was made was it was done in a way that it was almost like less exploitative than a documentary
1: great word exploitative right I because heard. it was so hard It was. it's really hard this movie's really hard to watch for sure but let's say they didn't make a documentary let's say he decides to make a movie called Columbine you know what I mean that feels exploitative that feels like <clears throat> it's a money grab even if it's not right I think he made the right choice of making a fictional story making it a small story he's got San Sand at this point he can get a big budget and he could go to Hollywood and say I'm gonna make this movie he clearly wanted to make this as more an artistic piece rather than a you know a big budget Hollywood movie called Columbine, and if you have it as this fictional tale, you can change things and make judgments on the judgments is a bad word, but you can make decisions. I'll put it on these characters that wouldn't be fair in the Columbine situation. We're going to talk about a lot of the details of these killers here, and some of them are based on rumors of Columbine, but he can they could be definitive in this, whereas. In Columbine, we don't know, and we're filling in gaps. Again, I I just applaud the choice to make it a fictional story. I read one place that it was based on a short story by Harmony Corinne. What, Elephant? Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I only read it in one place. Kind of weird. It doesn't feel like that. I did read, which is so interesting, that he decided to start shooting without a script. Which is crazy. Um, Paranoid Park, again, which we'll talk about next week, had a 33 page script. So, this is when he's in the mode to shoot these movies, kind of a, you know, what we'd later see as like Mumblecore, but not even that, right? Like the just. Documentary. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like he left,
0: this is just an assumption, but it seems like he, he left his initial project as a documentary and approached his movie the same way.
1: For sure, for sure. He would take the characters or the kids, really put him in a room and say, this is what I'm feeling. Have a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to move the camera here. What would you say in this situation? What would you do in this situation? And you get that and you really feel that from the characters. I know before we went on air, um, we, you briefly kind of mentioned the title here. Weird title. He doesn't have the best titles, to be honest with you. But uh, Elephant, I was very curious about it. It comes from a lot of different places, actually. It originally pays homage to a BBC short film by Alan Clark about the troubles in Northern Ireland, a lot of senseless killing in in that short film as well, and that one's called Elephant. Mm-hmm. Gus Van Sant actually believed that the title meant or the title was an allusion to the old Chinese proverb uh, which is like I think it's like something a, cu- a couple blind men are in a room.
0: They're feeling an elephant yes. and then they're they're taking their interpretation and drawing the elephant.
1: Yes, and exactly, they're feeling a different part of the elephant and they're interpreting and drawing the elephant, or they're explaining in some of the Proverbs what the elephant looks like. From it. But it's such a big thing that they all have a different interpretation. So Which could be how we, as
0: people, interpret major events.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But then like after the movie was made, Alan Clark actually said that wasn't why he named it that. He actually named it after what we said before, the elephant in the room.
0: I think it's definitely the elephant in the room, because that's how, that's how watching this whole movie felt like. And... I watched Elephant and Last Days back-to-back. Okay, cool. And it was... So, we all know these both these movies end in some sort of major tragedy. But when you're watching the films and the people in the movies, it's like they're going about their day like nothing happens. They're refusing to or they're completely ignorant to the elephant in the room. This this problem that's clearly there, but it's clearly not addressed. Mm-hmm. And... Watching Elephant and even Last Days, so. Was...
1: So by the way, Last Days is the fourth movie in that. It started as a death trilogy with, um, this, Last Days, Jerry. Jerry. And then when he made Paranoid Park, that's like the fourth in it. So. Mm-hmm. That's that. So, so so sorry. The people in the movie, they're completely they're they're
0: close to this situation of what's of the tragedy that's about to unfold, but they all just live their day without addressing or acknowledging or being completely ignorant to Mm -hmm. the problem that's right in front of them, the elephant in the room. So I think the title is a reference to the elephant in the room. At least that's my elephant in the room of the title.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because, again, that wasn't Van Sant's idea, but it was in a sense because he named it after a film that's similar to this, which I haven't seen, but it's a film that's similar to this, that it was about the elephant in the room. So. They both connect, and they both make sense, which yeah. is which is awesome. I love seeing that. Yeah. What do you think of the cover, the promotional poster? It's uh, it's a picture of
0: of John, one of the main characters, and his very close friend kissing him on the cheek. It's been almost fifteen years since I lost last saw this movie, and when I first started watching this movie. I, I initially thought John was the was going to be one of the shooters. Oh, I first. thought so too. So it made sense for him to be featured on the cover. He's like one of the major characters, mm-hmm. but he's just another observer and participant of, of this event here. So I, I, I'm curious to why like the, the photo of him being kissed by the girl is on like the DVD cover and, and the movie
1: poster. Well, if you look up even images of this film, like and usually when you Google image, it's not like screen caps, it's things that they release to the press there's none of the shooters yeah it's usually just of the people there and i actually like that I okay actually, that
0: makes that's actually a really good point yeah that makes sense then yeah. i
1: appreciate that because it's just as much their story as the shooter story and that's something that this movie does as well it shows regular high school kids on a regular day you know and i appreciate that and that's something that draws me into this movie just as much as the killers you know Honestly, maybe because I like this genre, I would have watched a movie of just like a regular day in these kids' lives. I was fascinated by what was going on there. But again, it's so much more impactful when they're just... The stuff they're doing is interrupted forever, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Another film that Gus Van Sant cited as an inspiration for this is a French film. And you like to bring up the uh, French films on this podcast, so I figured I'd bring it up. It's called Jean Delman I don't know my French numbers. 23 du Quoi commerce 1080 Bruxelles, Brussels. Uh. That's the title of the movie? <laughs> Look, it's a movie? Look, it's a really long title.
0: I'm not going to even try.
1: The Village Voice called it the 19th greatest cult classic film of the 20th century. It's a slice-of-life portrayal of the life of a housewife.
0: I love the poster. It's
1: a great poster, yeah. yeah.
0: It's just a very straightforward shot of a... Uh... A woman sitting at a dinner table,
1: but and apparently that's, that's what it was. It's a single mother preparing dinner, very French, you know, but that would really influenced him, like in terms of following the kids and yeah. following what they were doing. Uh, so I'd love to check that film out. Technical specs, I want to go over them because you know you're a photographer by trade. I loved watching this movie
0: through the eyes of a photographer because you have one of the characters, Eli, yeah, and, and just. A lot of, you know, Gus Van Son, he's a, he, he is a photographer, and it made me think that, I don't think he was, a, there was, oh, okay, cinematography was by Harris Savitas, did I say that right?
1: I don't know, Harris, if you're out there, let us know if you said, we said it wrong.
0: <laughs> but there are certain movies, there are a lot of movies where I can tell, or I can see that it's shot by a cinematographer mm. who knows cinematography. But there's also movies that are shot by photographers, like strictly from the photography see, medium, because a lot of the shots they look like photographs, like still photographs, rather than actual than the actual cinematography medium itself. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. So, um, watching Elephant was definitely a photographic experience for me, both in the story and, you know, as a production.
1: I could definitely understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, 88 shots in the entire film, which is not a lot. And more than half of them are in the last 20 minutes of the film. So if you think about it, there's an hour where there's only 40-something shots. That's ins- that's insane. It's awesome, though, you know? Yeah. He used an Ericum spherical format camera. Have you heard of a camera like that? Let me see. What do you say there? cam spherical format camera no I'm not I'm not familiar with that Stanley Kubrick used this kind of camera to shoot a lot of his films so. okay
0: oh it's made by Ari which they make a lot of production lights it's uh, way out of my scope of practice as a photographer <laughs> that's uh, cinematography stuff
1: <laughs> gotcha gotcha as I mentioned there was no script written it was mostly improvised uh, he asked the actors to collaborate with his own directing and it was shot over just 20 days which is interesting and it was sh- also it was shot in Portland his hometown And it was shot in a school that they had condemned that they were going to tear down for a couple different reasons. Structural damage, eventually they tore it down for asbestos. I
0: heard um, they wanted to tear down the actual Columbine High School, too, for a couple years. And
1: I don't think it ever happened. Well, what they did, a little background, because I did do a Wikipedia dive myself. They didn't tear down the whole school, but they tore down the library, which most of the murders took place in. And they built a new library somewhere else. And the library's kind of just like a memorial, I believe. So Mm -hmm. they ended up keeping the school but tearing down that scary, scary place for a lot of people. Oh, one, one more note. A lot of the shots are very, very long. The one with the girls walking through the cafeteria is five minutes and 19 seconds long. And
0: I did not even notice that.
1: Exactly. No. Yeah. It's not like Birdman where you're like, you know what I mean? You're noticing. And I like Birdman, but that's a movie where they're purposely like gimmicking, like gimmicking the stuff where you're noticing it. You're right. You just feel like you're there. Yeah. You don't feel like...
0: I, I think that's why the shots get longer and longer as you go into the film because I remember when I was watching this when I saw this movie for the first time in high school the one thing I distinctly remember was the very very long shots and every time I think of elephant I was I, I would always think of oh that, that was a very like slow movie in the sense that the shots were very long but it makes sense that the shots were very that they would get longer towards the end of the film because you're so invested. You're you get lost into the high school like you, it's it's almost like you're there behind them behind the camera following these students around.
1: I love the high school ecosystem he created, you know. Yeah. Again, you like you said you really you really felt like you were there. One more thing at Cannes, this did incredibly well. They won the Palme d'Or. He won best director and he won like another prize as well there, so it was popular there. HBO Films produced it here or distributed it here. It was only released in a couple theaters. It wasn't meant again to be a big film. Yeah, I can't imagine like going to the Palisades Mall and like <laughs> and watching Elephant. Hey,
0: let's go see Elephant and and buying a ticket there and watching it on a huge. Sc- I mean, I would have loved to have seen this movie on a huge screen, but you know, just like in so, that environment, it's 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 a whole experience in itself. You know, it's, this isn't a Friday night movie that you take your date on.
1: For sure, for sure. And Gus Van he gets into this mode where he's really at this point where he's casting... When he casts adolescents he casts real kids. On To Die For, right? They were actors, but Joaquin Phoenix and Casey Affleck were cast because they looked grungy. Because they look kind of dirty. On Finding Forrester, Rob Brown, who's the lead, is someone who just signed up to be an extra because he wanted to pay his cell phone bill. He's starting to pick... These kids out who are just kids. You should really watch Paranoid Park. On that film, you'll really see like this to the most extreme level. like Even more extreme than this, believe it or not. But here he did this thing where he just wanted complete unknowns to be in this cast. To assist them, he named most of the characters after their actual real-life first name. Alex Frost plays one of the killers, Alex... Just no emotions. No emotions. Absolutely no emotions. That was so disturbing. He has these beady, scary eyes, yeah. too. <laughs> he actually was in another movie we covered here, Drillbutt Taylor, an Owen Wilson film, <laughs> which I found interesting. He played a bully in that. And then Eric Doolin played Eric, who was basically the other shooter. And then, we, you know, we meet a lot of characters, and the way he, the way he does it is so freaking interesting because... Some people we know for a whole movie, but there's some characters that we know just for a minute or two minutes. Mm-hmm. John, who you mentioned before, he's played by John Robinson. He's the one with the yellow t-shirt with the bull on it. I believe it's a bull, right? Love that t-shirt. He actually was in the film Lords of Dogtown. He played Stacey Peralta, which is awesome. I'm not going to go through everyone because a lot of these people are unknowns. Timothy Bottoms played John's dad, who was like the alcoholic. Yeah. He's actually... a veteran actor we saw him here on one of the greatest high school films of all time The Last Picture Show and he's in a ton of stuff I don't know if you remember Comedy Central had a show when we were growing up called That's My Bush
0: yes that show was great he
1: played Bush in That's My Bush
0: oh that was him that was a great show
1: (laughs) that's my Bush (laughs)
0: Oh, the Bush years.
1: <laughs> Dan, you might recognize this guy, Matt Malloy. Mm. He played the principal. He was actually the vice principal in Election, another movie we covered. <laughs> yes, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Where have I seen this guy?" I'm like, oh my god! Of course, he played like the same character. Otherwise, like oh, Elias I, I McConnell played the photographer. He... I love
0: that. I love this character in this movie. Well, you're a photographer, of yeah. course. He was a kid that just like. Got along with everyone. He was really
1: nice. Really
0: nice. Everybody loved him. He loved everyone.
1: Like every good photographer. <laughs> <laughs> and and then going down the list, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of kids who are relatively unknowns in this. Uh, you know, Nathan and Carrie are characters mm-hmm. here. Benny is a character we meet very briefly. Brittany, Jordan,
0: Nicole, are the three bulimic girls.
1: Yes, like the popular girls, yeah. the plastics, if you will. Katie is a character played by um, someone named Alicia Miles, who she was in that like gay straight alliance thing. Yeah. Um, but it's mostly unknowns, and that's great. I love that kind of casting, and I love it here because they, some of them feel and they, so real. And they look like high school students, like real high school students. You don't see that in movies, yeah. tell you that much. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about Elephant. And it's important to note that it's not done, this is not a linear film. It's a film where we're just kind of seeing moments. It's
0: semi-linear, right? It's like moments stacked on, t- stacked on top of each other that crisscross in the timeline.
1: And I know I keep mentioning Paranoid Park, but he does this a lot in Paranoid Park as well, where things are not linear, but you're also getting a moment where, where I don't know what this is called. I'm sure this is some fancy French term. But you're hearing a line from a different s- scene, if you will, mm-hmm. in, the, in the movie, and you might hear that line again. In the background. In the back. Something. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. You hear the line in the background, and then a later scene will feature that line or a character will pass in the background and then we'll you know 20 minutes later see the scene from that character's point of view Mm. i I thought that was really really cool this is weird thing that you kind of alluded to too this movie's only an hour 20 minutes long but it feels longer and not in a bad way we always talk about those films that are like three hours long that feel like oh my god they went by so fast this is yeah. the opposite but not, this, this not in a bad me, way. This
0: reminded me of Squid and the Whale in, in the sense that oh. the the length of it was just right. Even though the experience of it was very slow and meditative, it didn't feel long at all and it was just it was just it had enough necessary time to get the story across. Bernard Burkhardt would say this movie is very dense.
1: <laughs> was it Kafka-esque? Not really, not at all.
0: <laughs> well, it is very nightmarish. So, yes. But in not, in a, not, not in a surreal sense.
1: No. <laughs> That's what you call a callback to a previous episode.
0: Very French. I
1: thought the best way to kind of talk about this film would be rather than through scene, through character. We'll save the shooting parts for the end. And we'll save the shooters for a little bit later. But of the non-shooters, who were some of your favorite characters or, or, or beats or whatever? You already mentioned the photographer. So if you want to start with Eli, we could start with Eli. Eli, was,
0: he was a really cool character. You know, you, you don't really know his fate throughout the, at the end of the movie. But he was the guy who, you know, I, th- I think all the students that are shown in this movie, they show some sort of high school archetype. Whether mm-hmm. it's a jock or the hot girls or... You know, the kid who's just trying to just, you know, keep his shit together or who else, the, the principal. And Eli was just, he was the kid who, who was liked by everyone and he likes everyone and he was the photographer.
1: Hey Eli. Hey, what's up John? How's it going? Pretty good. What are you doing? Just taking
0: pictures. Can I take a picture of you? Yeah, sure. Uh...
1: Nice. Alright, hey, I'll see you later. Yeah. Hey, you going to the concert tonight? No, I can't. My parents are being bitches this week. Oh, yeah. That happens. Alright,
0: I'll see yeah. you. I think this might be maybe this is some sort of a personal sort of reflection of of the director who's also a photographer himself. He's showing like certain qualities of the ideal photographer, you know, who's able to be intimate and nice to everyone. And he also shows the the medium of photography itself where there was that scene when Eli was developing the film and he was like kinda of tapping the the developing tank on the table. That totally took me back to my college and high school years, like developing my own black and white film and <laughs> and that scene where where he's developing the prints with the girl next to him and they're, you know, it's like a very quiet environment and you know they're sort of like complementing each other on, on these prints. it was like it totally took me back to when I <laughs> truly truly loved photography before it became my job. Ooh and it was it, before it was you sold out to the man <laughs> And watching this movie, I was like, wow, I forgot how much I love photography <laughs> as a hobby too. hobby and as a medium. So I love Eli for that. John's character in the beginning I initially thought he was one of the shooters. By accident so when I first started watching this again I was like oh you know John he's going to be the shooter but like look at the portrait that's being shown of him he's like this kid who's got an alcoholic father and he's just trying to just make his way and maneuver his way through school and the social aspect of everything and survive this environment of high school but I was totally wrong. John is not one of the shooters. I think his character is loosely based on the actual events. Where yeah,
1: there's a lot of that in here. Yeah. yeah
0: so he was. I forget what the student's name was in the actual, actual event, but there was a student who did see the Columbine shooters coming in before the actual mm. actual shooting happened. Is that right?
1: I believe so. Yes. Yeah. And
0: then he tried warning everybody else, and that's and that's. What happened to John?
1: And that student was actually a friend of the Columbine killer. Like he wasn't a friend; like he knew about it. But like, mm-hmm. they kind of spared his life. You see the killers come in, yeah. And they say, "Just leave, man." Yeah. I mean, what do you think about him and his father? I thought that was an interesting dynamic. Mm. I, I was a little confused. I'm like, "Whoa, you know?" Like, w- w- why
0: were you confused?
1: Not confused, like what's going on? But like, I was in- confused is a bad word because that implies negative. I was so. I- I was curious yeah. at the choice to, like, have this alcoholic father
0: character. So it took me off guard. So I think it got me, I think, the way it was intended to, maybe, that, like, to think that John was one of the shooters is, like, oh, this kid's, this kid's life is hard. You know, he's being picked on by the principal. His, his father's an alcoholic. He probably has a poor relationship. He comes from a broken home. Like, he's the only one that has some sort of background story, if mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And the movie kind of sets you up for that.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's what his intention is, kind of like a red herring.
0: But when you look at Alex and Eric, the actual shooters, you don't know anything about them. You really don't. Except there's this very minimal interaction when they were having breakfast at home and the mother is there who basically is barely in the shot. You just hear her serving pancakes and like oh do
1: you he want loves to do food? that. He loves to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know we'll see that in other films.
0: Even in that very minimal interaction between the mother of Alex and Alex himself and his friend Eric, like it, it's like a thirty minute interaction but you can tell there is not much love. Yeah, there's not much love in that interaction. It's, like, very detached. They're very detached from each other, it seems. Yeah, and I don't know
1: who it comes from. We don't know enough, you know what I mean? If the, What the mother does, or she just, you know, can't relate to her son. We don't know. But you're right. You totally see that there. You know who really I was, like, fascinated with? It was, uh... God, I don't even know our character's name. Maybe you remember it. Was it Michelle? The, the, like, dorky girl who, like, skips gym class? Michelle... Michelle, look, we've got to talk about this gym clothes problem. This is uh, this is not going to do it, these long pants.
0: Everybody else is wearing shorts. What's the matter? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to give you a mark against you, either. But I'm going to have to do it if you can't show up in shorts like you're supposed to. Look, I won't do anything about it this time. But tomorrow, I want to see those shorts. OK.
1: Oh, um, yeah, Michelle played by Kristen Hicks. Yeah, Michelle was so fascinating to me because she just she wanted to disappear almost. High school was tough for her. Uh, she wears the pants in gym class, and the, the, there's a gym teacher who we don't really see, and she's like, oh, you know, I, but I expect shorts next time. She's like, yep, yep, yep. And she just skips out of the gym class and that door, and she's a volunteer at the library, and she, she seems so uncomfortable in her body that... I don't know. I That's haven't.
0: literally her definition of Wikipedia: a nerdy girl ashamed of her body. Oh, really? Yeah. She is the first one to get shot in the movie, mm-hmm. and for me, I looked at it as a deliberate choice because cl- clearly these shooters were just shooting indiscriminately. Didn't matter if you were a nerd sure. or a jock; they, just, they were just out to kill.
1: And I think one of the old legends of Columbine is like, "Oh, they were there to shoot the bullies or the people or oh, the jocks." Yeah. Yeah. And sure, I'm sure they took more pleasure in that. But as you said... At that point, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And this is someone who wants to disappear. That is pretty much her goal in high school, just to survive and disappear. And she's the first victim. And when you see that, you're like, oh, man. It doesn't seem like she has a lot of friends. It doesn't seem like she wants to be there. And you're right. It's almost like she she had the same
0: experience or similar experience to what we what society paints eric and
1: alex had Mm -hmm. but ironically she's the first one to die i think there's a lot of that too if you want to read the movie on levels of like why did these people do it there's a lot of things that jive with the legends of why these columbine kids did what they did right there's a lot of there's like tons of speculation and Blame and... And not just right. that. Like, a ton of school shooters have the similar profile. But there's a lot here that says, okay, not everyone who was bullied
0: mm-hmm.
1: became a school shooter. Not everyone who had, you know, a, a broken home or bad, an alcoholic father became a killer. Because John's a really nice guy. This girl, she's not, like, I wouldn't call her a really nice person, but she's not a mean person either. She just, but she's not going to harm anyone. She's completely harmless. She person she probably is going to harm most is herself. That's an
0: amazing point, yeah.
1: You know, so he's, while he's saying things, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the killers, right? There's some things here, like, we're introduced to them a little bit later in the film. We have that kitchen scene, and a little bit of a neglectful parent. We see them, they're watching, like, Nazi propaganda. That was a, that's a rumor of Columbine that we're not exactly sure. We know there was some of it there, but it wasn't, like, we don't know. There's not a manifesto that says, like, we're doing it because we believe in white supremacy. Right, and,
0: and it happened on April 20th on Hitler's birthday and everything. So Yeah,
1: there's a lot of connections like that. There's or, no one reason why it happened, I don't think. For sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. But they do show that, and that was a rumor there. And there's also a very brief scene where they talk about, you know, never having kissed someone, and they get into the shower together and imply that I don't know if they're, yes, they do a gay action there. I don't know if they're implying that there were a couple, but who knows, right?
0: Right, another speculation of the actual event, too.
1: Another speculation, yeah, which has never been proven, and there's not that much legs to that. But I guess my point is he feeds into some of that speculation. Again, this isn't Columbine. He's drawing from it, but I'm, I'm sure he's drawing from other sources, too. On the other hand, he's also not saying, oh, like a preaching movie would say, oh, anyone in this environment is going to turn out to be this way. You know what I mean? And he's definitely not saying that because so many of the characters have similar circumstances, and they're not killers. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, pure evil. The way they end up killing is so indiscriminate, as you said. I know we're bouncing around here, but the way they show up to school with those guns, and they have a plan of what they're going to do, and they're just kind of shooting people. There's that scene where one of the kids shoots the principal, you know, who's kind of trying to reason with him Um, of course that really really brutal library scene the scene with the classroom Uh, I think we'll get to Benny in a second but when they're in the cafeteria the two of them and they're basically talking like "Oh, how did you make out oh I shot this person shot that person shot this person shot that person and then one of them just kills the other one hey man I want to drink that you'll get herpes or something So, how'd you do? Did all right? What happened? I shot the principal and some other people. and That didn't happen in Columbine. Another speculation. Well, yes. I mean, right. it's, it's possible, but yeah. that's explored here. That, like, basically... And that goes back to maybe the FBI profile.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the kids, and I forgot which one, uh, in Columbine was just, like, this guy was a psychopath. You know what I mean?
0: I think that was um, Eric Harris. Eric, okay. Yeah,
1: And... When that happens, you're like, oh shit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't even that, like, these guys weren't together. They clearly, you know, weren't in love with each other or anything like that. This guy's just a bad person yeah. with who got the tools to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did just mention Benny, right? What an interesting character. What a fascinating character.
0: Yeah, Benny's moment in the movie, I think it was when I was watching it again, there was like a. Brief moment where I was watching it. So the the scene where Benny comes up, he uh, helps Acadia escape out the window Mm because she's so frozen in fear during the shooting. And then while Eric, one of the shooters, is confronting um, the principal while he's helplessly on the ground, you see him almost like he's about to sneak up on him, Yeah, like about to save the day, about to be the hero in the story. So, when I was watching that scene, it became a whole different movie where I was like, oh, there's going to be a hero in this scene again. But obviously, that didn't happen. He just, the shooter turns around and shoots him down. So, it was almost like if I were to imagine, this is my elephant in the room of Gus's sort of <laughs> directorial choices, is like, Benny was like sort of this tease of a hero Mm -hmm. or like oh there might be a hero in the story but it's like absolutely not this this story is not about heroes it's a complete tragedy
1: for sure I thought it did two things and and one I think you hit the nail on the head here it's showing there are no heroes in this story there are no heroes maybe the heroes could have been people who saw signs of this previously but those are unsung heroes right no one is going to say oh this teacher is a real good person because they fix this kid before anything happened. Those people don't get recognized nationally, you know what I mean? But Benny's introduced so late, you're like, who is this kid whatever? He totally could escape with Acadia. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to do something about it. And he it's not even a struggle. He is shot instantly. Not only are there no heroes, there was also the speculation at this time that I know I remember that people would say, especially like talking heads on the news, Why didn't one person stop them? Why didn't one person tackle them? Why didn't one person, you know, take charge of the situation and stop this from happening? And then that moment puts you in reality. If you're just someone without a gun and someone has a gun, you don't really have a shot here. You know what I mean?
0: Right. And imagine being in that situation. Your adrenaline's rushing. You're in fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. And you're terrified. You know, this isn't a time for Joseph Campbell's hero. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's, it's it's a really fucked up situation. People freeze up.
1: People get scared. People run away. And this guy, we're watching the movie, and we'll see him. Wow, this guy was a really brave dude, right? But no one, what, there's no witness to what he did. No one will know that he tried to stop it. So when people in the media speculate in these situations, not just Columbine, all these situations, right? Maybe there was. Yeah, there were probably people who tried to do that and just got shot like they were another person there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's what, I was like, wow, that was really moving and impactful to me. And I love what he did by introducing this character. late. And you're right, for 30 seconds, you felt like you were in, maybe a little bit longer, but you felt like you were in a different movie. Yeah. And then, boom, that movie ends. And he's
0: like, absolutely not. This is not happening in this movie. It totally pulled a rug under your feet.
1: For sure, for sure, again, this isn't a movie of moments and characters. It's not really a movie of scenes. and like, and then this happened. it wasn't it hilarious you know <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a traditional movie format. There's a lot of little clues of what people were speculating in the media at the time. They play a violent video game, you know, a lot of people blame video games. Oh, for yeah, this. yeah,
0: there there are some um some clues of the elements that the shooters were interested in. You know, For sure. The violent video games and Nazi propaganda video. And there was a scene, Alex and Eric, they're sleeping in, in their basement. And um, I think it was Eric who fell asleep with a book on his chest. Mm. And I paused that. that. I paused that, um, that frame. The title of the book, I couldn't see because it was kind of blurry with the quality of video I had. But I could see the letters. TM31201-1. And when I Googled it, it's the U.S. Army's like manual of incendiaries. Oh. So, so it's pretty much like a, like a, a manual to understand explosive systems. Oh, wow. So I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, what do you think about Alex's ability to sort of draw and be able to play like Beethoven's Elise on the piano? Like he's like this Mastermind of this plan, and mm. and Eric is the sort of the sidekick.
1: I think that was supposed to be an allusion to Columbine. Not that those kids did that, but supposedly I forgot. I think Eric in the Columbine one was the mastermind, I believe, and the other one was kind of you know the quote unquote sidekick. But I, I like that. That's what again set it apart from like this just being a Columbine movie. There's a lot of people who would say like, oh, these are bad kids. You know what I mean? But like, you don't think someone who Has that kind of level of enjoyment and things, or intellect, would be a killer like that. But
0: you have um, Hannibal Lecter.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, that was very Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. And did you notice like the elephant drawing in in the room? Yeah, I like that. I like seeing that. You know, the most chilling line that those kids deliver though in the entire film when they're talking and they're going over the plan, and then one of them says, like, but most of all, have fun. After that, you'll hit your yellow line right here, which is plan, your plan B, and you'll go up through Ms. Mr. Luce's office and take care of all
0: that. fuck. <laughs> well, I go up through on the red line, up through this hallway where we should have the best targets, you know, like dumbass jocks and shit. Because we'll have a fucking field day down there. Right. I mean, come on. You got your Tech-9 and your rifle, and I've got my shotty and my two twenty three on my back. Yeah. And I got a couple of pistols and a knife. Mm-hmm. We have enough explosives to last us almost a day. Most importantly, have fun, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: It's like, yeah. Oh, shit.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So that that scene when they're like talking about their plan of shooting the school was it was so nonchalant, mm-hmm. like as if it was a another activity in their day. That's what this whole movie felt like. Everybody was just in their own activity throughout their day, and even the shooters.
1: That's kind of why it was bringing up originally, like, just our friend Sam joking around about it, or me not taking it seriously early on. Because even these kids who are killing are almost not taking it seriously. They don't feel the weight of what actually they're doing. They want to be heroes, all that. They want, not heroes, but, like, they want to be known for it. But it's almost at a level that they're not realizing the impact maybe they are i think that, i think impacts a bad word to say i don't know exactly how i'm trying to formulate this but there's no heaviness in the instructions that they're giving and i think when you're a kid even if a lot has gone on with you when you don't have that perspective mm-hmm. things just aren't as heavy even as heavy as this stuff is which is ironic because so when the
0: news like presents these kind of events it's like you know it's like a tragedy you know, there's a, a narrative that comes with it, but this movie just shows how it is, mm-hmm. just very straightforward. And I thought that was just so much more disturbing oh, than, than someone telling me how tragic an event is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And again, back to this, but the way he's setting people just going about their regular normal lives and then having it interrupted like that, mm-hmm. that's the most eerie thing to me. Yeah, and
0: there's there's so many things you can do in film through cinematography, through writing, through Foley, through music, to elevate certain moments. But this movie does none of that.
1: No, no, that's a good call. Yeah, That's, that's a really good call. What did you think of the ending? The way it ends, it's not like we see these... At the end, there's only one killer. Uh, we don't see him, like, off himself or anything, what would happen in that We don't see, like, a police standoff. We don't see, like, heroes come into the school or anything like that. Yeah. Um, we don't even know what happens to him, but there's a, that one couple, and they've locked themselves in a meat locker, and the one kid comes in with a gun, and he's like, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. You don't know who's going to be shot first.
0: What did I think of that ending? We assume, um... well,
1: we assume they're both going to be shot, right? And then... It kind of just ends there, not am- a little bit ambiguously, but
0: well, from the from the way the movie starts, there's no other way to end that movie than to just end it as this never-ending, this constant timeline of the events. If there was an ending that just wrapped it all up, you know, press event and newspapers spinning <laughs> into the screen, it, it, it wouldn't make any sense because the whole movie is just set up where it's just like the movie starts, life starts. And it just keeps going, no matter what. People get shot, and it just ends.
1: But he could have ended it with the guy actually killing those kids. But that's already been
0: established that people are going to be killed.
1: Do you think it's possible, like Sopranos ending, like the police have come in and <laughs> like we go to black because he's the killer shot, and those kids survive? I don't so you're comparing Sopranos
0: <laughs> and Elephant. I'm kidding. Apples and oranges. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows?
1: Let's get into our questions then. I've been asking this question the last couple weeks. I don't even think. I think this question is so new. I don't even think I asked it on Squid and the Whale. But uh, who was this movie for?
0: That's a very good question.
1: So, just for a little context for the audience, there are some high school movies that they make for tweens. You know, there's some that make for teens. There's some that make for adults. And then we go beyond that. We could go, like, is this movie for. Midwesterners, or is this movie for the foreign crowd? I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But wow, um, who's this movie? Who did Who did Gus Van Sant make this movie for?
0: One part of me wanted, wants to say filmmakers to watch to watch a movie of what's possible with this medium, and the other part of me wants to say this film was made for Americans for them to watch. But this is not a mainstream movie that most mm. people have watched.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I was gonna say again the, the IFC crowd. Or Filmmakers is good. Yeah. But it is weird. It is weird that it's not made for what you said. Should it be made for Americans? Yeah, but he didn't make it a mainstream film. Yeah. But, but I, I kind of like that. Because he never intended to be preachy, if that makes sense. I
0: mean, this is just very me, like, SVA graduate. <laughs> you know, speaking from the ivory tower, is this is me saying... The mainstream crowd does not want to be challenged. Mm, you know, I agree and, with and that.
1: this is a very challenging movie to be to be to watch. In- incredibly challenging. Yeah. incredibly challenging. Yeah. Right. So some of these questions are weird for this kind of movie, but I have to ask them. Most likely to succeed, <laughs> yearbook thing. Who won the movie? Who ends up on top in the movie? Does anyone win this movie? I don't know.
0: I want to say I want to say Eli because Eli might be the Gus in the movie. And Eli becomes a famous photographer Ooh. and movie director.
1: Oh, maybe. Maybe. That's a good call. We'll say Eli. I like that. Wooderson Award. Is there a character here you would have liked to see seen more of? I know it's not necessary,
0: but Matt Malloy as Mr. Loose. You liked him? The principal, you know, would have liked to seen the dynamic between him and Alex and Eric. But even still, it's unnecessary because... It's already been established that this the two shooters did not have a good relationship with most of the school members.
1: For sure, Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character here whose omission would make the film better?
0: Um, you know, I th- I thought everybody's like little follow. I don't even want to say narrative follow. You have camera following John, camera following Eli, camera following Alex and Eric. And then you have the camera following Nathan and Carrie, the two, the kid and the pretty girl, popular couple. But there's the follow of Brittany, Jordan, and Nicole, the three Mm -hmm. bulimic girls. The movie could have been absolutely fine without them.
1: I liked seeing them. I liked seeing those characters. But I'll give it to you in a sense that I think that was making a completely different statement than the rest of the film. Those girls just seemed like mean girls, like typical mean high school girls of that era. I don't want to say it was a reach because it didn't bother me, but it was one of those things where I think Gus Van Sant was kind of just showing like, this is another clique that exists in high school. You know, these are those mean, catty girls. So I I wonder if, I mean, a lot has changed
0: in society since we graduated high school with The advent of cell phones and social media and everybody being connected i wonder maybe maybe you would know because you're so like you are the creator of this podcast but i wonder if the the high school social dynamic has changed
1: you look i have no idea because i'm not in high school now i think we'll see it through movies i know I think kids are a little bit. I, they're definitely different, right? Every yeah. decade they change.
0: Because, like in the '90s, or at least what we lived through, maybe in our high school wasn't as cl- clearly defined. But like the narrative that we grew up with was like: there's the jocks, yeah. There's the band kids, the clicks, right? There's the nerds. There's the outcasts. You know, there are s- the potheads.
1: <laughs> I want to say more kids get along with each other now.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to
1: say that too because I, I think a lot, saying, of,
0: a lot of a lot of. I don't know barriers or titles but like things are just
1: more singular these days they're like oh we're so woke and people complain about cancel culture but like among young people Mm -hmm. they don't feel that way they're not also like rebelling against that either i i i
0: totally give space to teenagers being teenagers because i will never forget when i was a teenager the perfect example like on the way here there was a teenager on my street on his bicycle and he was he was riding his bike straight towards my bumper as I'm pulling out my street. And you know what? And he had a soda in one hand, a cell phone in the other hand, totally reckless on his bicycle. But I was like, I'm totally cool with him. I actually support him because I was that kid on a BMX bike 20 years ago, you know, just being completely reckless. Fair and and there's this one house where a group of 14 15 year old 16 year old kids they they all play basketball and it's like a mix of guys and girls and one kid and and it's so weird because when i look at them like like one kid looks gay and one girl looks like normal and there's a jock and then there's one kid who looks like he listens to you know uh, the cure and it's just like a <laughs> complete mix and i'm like this is fucking awesome like like yeah that
1: wouldn't have happened yeah either. that wouldn't have
0: happened when we were in high school and i see that i'm like I'm so happy to see that, and, I, and 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 you know what they're doing? They're throwing a football back and forth to each other. Wow, is that so weird?
1: It is weird. But <laughs> hey, I mean that's cool. That's I don't know how it happened, and hopefully it's like a good thing. But I feel like we're kind of in an in-between generation between like '70s people beating each other up and like heavy clicks, and like there's us who I can't really define, I maybe mean, because we're us.
0: Yeah, a lot of things are
1: breaking down, especially the 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 notion of the click. I think that happens with everything. And I don't know if, like, the world's in, like, pro- progression or anything because we might revert back to something else. But mm-hmm. I think that happens with everything. Think about art, right? Like, painting. Like, painting was so specific. And you look at Renaissance painting. And then it got broken down with the guys like Monet. And then we get into, like, Jackson Pollock's, right? Yeah. Like, eventually... We're love to, Jackson we're Pollock. We're like, You know, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, maybe that's just happening with cliques in high school and society, yeah, right? Like, things, some, just, things are deconstruction of yeah, things you
0: yeah. know, but maybe we'll revert think, back i don't, don't know. know i think it's necessary because you know like i have i have people who are older than me in my life whether it be co-workers or friends and they're in their 40s or 50s or i mean i'm 30 we're 33 now mm-hmm. but i hear people from 40 50 even 60s quote-unquote boomers and you know oh you know when i was my when i was your age blah 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 like I fucking hate hearing that phrase when I was your age. It's like, fuck you, old man. Go fuck yourself. Seriously. And I hope I never become that person to teenagers because you got to have, you got to let them have their time and their years, no matter how much we disagree with them, no matter how much, how much we think it's distasteful. And, and I heard you talking in the previous podcast where like TikTok and YouTube, like, you know, people will shit on it, you know. Yeah. But that's their thing for, for their sure. generation, and you gotta, you gotta, like, you gotta let them have it absolutely. And us being thirty three, we're kind of in that in between time now, where we're kind of still feeling young, but we're starting to feel a little aged.
1: Yeah, the high schoolers definitely think we're old. Yeah. yeah.
0: But when I look at high school kids, I'm like, I, I get excited. I, I'm like, I, I'm really happy. F- for whatever they revel in.
1: Well, I was, I mean, I'm glad you brought up what I was, I said, uh, I think it was the To Die For episode early on with like TikTok and stuff. I don't know TikTok. I'm not a TikTok My guy. cousin's
0: a TikTok uh, celebrity. He, he lives. Your cousin? Yeah, my cousin's a oh. TikTok celebrity. He's got like over a million followers. What? He grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and he moved to Los Angeles to become a TikTok celebrity. Oh and, and that's his living. He's, he's, he's making guys. money off TikTok. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's, I think he's like, uh, like 22 now, 21. What's
1: his name? Plug him, plug him.
0: I don't have TikTok, but I have his Instagram. His name is Justin, common spelling, ye, Y-I, and then underscore. He's a beautiful kid. That's why, you know, like he's uh, he's very good looking and
1: I could see why wow. people like to like his stuff. On TikTok, it's insane. Two million followers now. Two good
0: job, Justin. I'm proud of you. Two million
1: followers. Two million followers. But the point is like... The older generation shits on this. I say it's not art. But, like, Mm -hmm. I I guess what I was trying to say the other day is, like, I might not understand it, but I'm fascinated with it. And just the editing that goes on on TikTok and the art that goes on on TikTok. Like, this this next generation of filmmakers, they're going to be insane. Insane. I hope they're not all the same. Mm -hmm. I hope there's always going to be, like, different types of people. But I don't know. I'm just fascinated by it. But I'm with you just on your overall point. We can't, we can't really rip high schoolers today. It, it just, it would be silly and stupid to do it. But from what I see, from my appearance and seeing it, they seem better than us. I don't know why. There's something about it, not like better in terms of more successful or skillful or anything like that. No, I agree. I think they're more savvier than us. And maybe it's things like TikTok that have sort of outsourced opinions a little bit. They're seeing more... We saw a lot of opinions, but we, there were like in AOL chat rooms with creepers, you know? I think they're more... Um, <laughs> I think they're more self-aware
0: than than we were when we were like 17 or 18. Crazy, crazy.
1: Yeah. Okay, next question. And I don't think we have an answer for this. Generally, Gus Van Sant does such a good job at this that this is the dumbest question to ask, but it's there. Camera Fry Award. Did anyone look out of place? Did anyone look too old or not a high schooler at all? No, this question
0: is not applicable to this movie.
1: <laughs> exactly, na, yeah. na. Honestly, it's not applicable to Gus yeah. Van Sant's work. So good for Gus Van Zandt. Rotten Tomatoes gives us seventy three percent by the critics, seventy nine percent by the audience. Letterbox three point six out of five, but we don't really care about that. I have the report card. I'm sliding it over on the desk. That Manila hard report card. I'm handing you the red pen. A-plus to F-scale, what will you grade, Elephant?
0: I give this an A-plus because I have no
1: no criticism to this movie and how it was
0: made and taking on a very heavy and sensitive uh, subject matter. So I give it an A-plus.
1: I give it an A. I don't have any reason not to give it an A-plus, but I thought my A was high because, again, you you look at the critical thing and it's not that crazy high, but I loved this movie. Not because I loved, like I was having a good time watching it or anything, I thought it was just so well-made. I think a lot of the criticism comes from like, oh, exploding Columbine, but it's not that at all. I love how this movie made me feel very deeply. Exactly. Think It made me think and it made me do yeah. research. Again, and it's one of these movies, one of the rare movies I see in this podcast where the high schoolers feel like real high schoolers. Yeah. Okay, my favorite question every week. Favorite question. You and I were in a magical, magical blockbuster that has every film that has ever been in the existence of film history. I know that sentence didn't make sense, but whatever. We know we're renting Elephant for our fucked up slumber party. <laughs> but we get to the counter and we see a sign that says rent two movies, get one free. I just watched the last Blockbuster on Netflix so I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm feeling very nostalgic. I'm smelling. remember the smell of Blockbuster. The plastic and the rug and the candy. It was like a weird mix of a smell. But anyway, I say Danny, go back. It's it's rent two movies, get one free. Get two movies that relate to Elephant, or don't really. I don't know. Whatever you want to watch on the Slumber Party. Mm-hmm. What two other movies are you bringing? Hmm. I didn't even. Th- You've been on recently. Yeah,
0: and I did not give this question any preconception or thought. Fuck, that's a hard one with elephants. Wow, that is very hard. I mean, it would make sense to just like. To follow the original Gus Van Sant trilogy of, of Jerry, followed by Elephant, and followed by
1: Last Days. You want to do it? We could do that. Yeah, let's do the trilogy. Let's do the trilogy. Works for me. Works yeah. for me. And we don't have yeah. Paranoid Park yet. That's your homework next week. Anyway, so, works for me. Uh, forgot a question, actually. This feels like a very weird question for today's movie, but... Sleeping bag. What does is your elephant-themed sleeping bag look like?
0: It would be a sleeping bag designed with the Golden Knights, our high school mascot, for the pride of our high school. Because it made me think of our high school, and this could have been any high school. Any high school. You know, and just sort of as a respect and appreciation for the high school that we went to, I would have a Golden Knight on my sleeping bag.
1: Now, you said any high school, and this is something that we kind of didn't talk about today and kind of... I don't want to say avoided, but we're not gonna get political in terms of like gun laws or anything like that. But the movie does make it very clear of how easy guns are to get, at least at this time in this state. Right when um, John is with his dad, he's like, "We're going. Let's go hunting this weekend." Oh, your grandfather has this old rifle. That's cool, what made dude. me
0: also think that he was going to be one of the shooters. I'm yeah. like,
1: oh, this is where it starts. Yeah, right. He's got an alcoholic dad with
0: guns. <laughs> it's true. And,
1: and he's frustrated. It ends up not being him. Yeah. yeah but man. you also have, um, you know, the killers end up just getting guns online and stuff. I think that's what happened, right?
0: They go on this website and in the movie it says Guns USA and it, the gun is delivered like through a UPS guy, like drops them off. Yes, drops yes. it off at
1: their house. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so just showing the readily available. And I bring it up because, you know, I know gun laws are different in each state, so maybe it's more likely in one state or another. But you do get a sense that this can happen in any high school in America, yeah. so I agree with you there.
0: Yeah, it is a hot topic now, for sure.
1: So this was, ai uh, gotta say, I'm a little surprised. It's the first episode you've been on where you haven't brought a gift. I'm totally okay with it, but...
0: I I always want to bring something to the podcast. I want to bring something (laughs) because you're having me over, and I want to bring
1: something. Well, I did notice you brought something with you, so it's not a gift. So So originally,
0: you said you're on a Gus Van Sant rabbit hole, so I was looking up Gus Van Sant paraphernalia on eBay, and there was like one of those... (laughs) movie clappers Oh really? Like it has it had Harry Savides like cinematographer oh, but it was cool. like $900. Okay. That would but it was the actual it. one they used on set. Like I'm I was like that did. is fucking cool but I can't buy that right now. I'm glad you didn't show up for that. But, but uh, more relevant to the movie we talked about today, I did stumble upon a um actual newspaper article of the April 20th, 1999 Columbine shooting, so let's just open and take a look at it right now, you know, because this is how we got our news back then, through television and
1: newspaper. The newspaper. Remember, like, you would save, like, the newspaper for a big story. I'm
0: sure. But also, there was also, um, you know, there are a lot of items on eBay, like New York Times, San Francisco, San Francisco Chronicle, LA Times. But the newspaper that I picked to buy from, it was actually a local newspaper, so I just wanted to put that out. Oh, that's very cool. Just to see, you know, see their perspective of it.
1: Let's see good packaging here from the seller. Oh, Oh, it's actually a
0: print. I thought it was the actual newspaper. So this is a, looks like a
1: reproduction print. Is Monica Lewinsky on the back?
0: (laughs) Wait, 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 hold
1: on a sec. (laughs) So the <laughs> I don't item mean I... to laugh at Columbine, but like you pulled it out. Okay, of there. so the
0: the item that was received is a the front page of the Denver Rocky Mountain News of April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, which is the day of the shooting. Remember, they used to publish newspapers on the day of. I think they still do that. Like they have an early and a late edition. Yeah. Um, so this is the front page of the Columbine shooting, and right across the the front page is horror. At least at least 21 wounded as two gunmen opened fire at Columbine High School. So, it, it seems like they haven't had any confirmed like deaths. So this is probably yeah, like a very that. early di- early edition, and 25 cents for the issue. With traditional
1: extra on the top, right?
0: So yeah, and the choice of front page photograph is a student um, with a backwards baseball cap hugging another student. Students embrace outside Columbine High School after today's shooting after gunmen in black overcoats. We didn't think it was real, and then we saw blood, said one student. Photographed by George Kochaniuk Jr., Denver News staff photographer. All right, so turning this around (laughs) is... mm, That's really random. Friday, July 31st, 1998. Over a year later, New York Post... Spot check. Monica hands over love dress to FBI for DNA match. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: okay. Very random. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a little bit of a cult of uh, that I read on Wikipedia. Yeah, like, yeah. Columbine worshippers and people who like. So I was a little paranoid,
0: like ordering this item on eBay and like doing my research for this movie because I was reading about. The columbine shooting and you know just following up on a lot of stories after the event and you know it was just like i hope i'm not like on the like a watch list that like i'm like some sort of pacifist or something for or like a follower of this but clearly this is um there are people out there who who admire and want to follow the shooters of this event yeah and and uh you know, and I, I could understand why, like, when things happen like this today, um, certain news outlets, especially in other countries, they refuse to identify the shooters.
1: Mm-hmm. You get it. You get it. Yeah. You know? I guess on a little bit lighter note, to end on more of a lighter note, you brought a lot of gifts here. And I mentioned off air that the small soldiers toys. So, the first episode, I think it was the first episode you did on High School First party. episode,
0: Small Soldiers, small yeah.
1: Small Soldiers. Uh, and you bought a Small Soldiers toy. We did a live unboxing. And for whatever reason, a lot of collectibles are really going up during the pandemic. And Small Soldiers toys in box are, like, really expensive now. Did you look it up on eBay? I did. Um,
0: how much did you, uh, what did you see for how much? Well, how much did you pay for those? those? Um, I forget. It wasn't, maybe, I think the Archer, I, I, I must have paid, like, Eleven or twelve bucks for it. One if of them was out in of the box, box. though, right? The Chip Hazard.
1: Uh, I must have spent like fifty bucks on it. Like this Archer in the box mm-hmm. is a thousand dollars. Get the fuck out of here! Some, like some of them are not so much. Like the oh, that's
0: like an original, though. Look at that. I mean, yeah, look at that. Sealed in the box. Loose
1: is not that bad, right? But yeah. sealed in the box, people are collecting three hundred dollars. These are the bigger ones, but still, the price has got like at least doubled. 150 for this chip hazard. (laughs) I love the nostalgia of small soldiers. Mm -hmm. Or, like, just anything, right? Like, there gets to be these moments where people start thinking about these movies and these toys. And that's a mainstream movie. Elephant is definitely not a mainstream movie. It doesn't have anything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you always bring something interesting. And, you know, we remember those victims of these school shootings. Not just that. I don't know if you remember, but, like, they used to have like uh, plays come to our school, and they used to talk about like school shootings and stuff like that, and and we actually have assemblies about it. Um, I don't know how, what good that does or not, but it was a big deal, and especially yeah. in that era between Columbine and nine eleven. Mm-hmm. After nine eleven, now that school shootings are still occurring, but everything became about that, and then the war in Iraq. Yeah, but that period between. Unfortunately, Sandy Hook kind of brought like the mass shootings back into the forefront. But between um, this is Virginia Tech also Virginia sure. Tech yeah. as well. That's when yeah. that's when we were in college.
0: When Virginia Tech happened, it was it's horrible. Like
1: I remember my roommate um, at the time at St. John's, Dong Wu, straight from Korea, hardly yeah. knew any English, and I came back to my dorm and he was crying. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, why are you crying? He's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's a yeah. lot of shame in the Korean yeah, yeah, yeah. community. I, yeah, I mean, I know you're I, Korean, so
0: a day before the shooting, I shaved my head. <laughs> like, I don't mean to laugh, but like, oh my god, because because it was just like my haircut at the time. Yeah, Jeez. I shaved my head, and then and then the news came. And I'm like,
1: fuck. Yeah, yeah.
0: Even as a Korean American, like, I felt that shame and guilt and responsibility as well.
1: Yeah, that was insane because also like virginia tech was like a college obviously a big college mm-hmm. high school and college in the united states is so different in high school there was a lot of high school shootings there wasn't a lot of college shootings like that at the time or at least they weren't mainstream right when you send your kid away to college that's a scarier thing i'm sure mm-hmm. and then like to have that kind of thing happen
0: whoo yeah
1: yeah a lot a lot of tough stuff um you know, very tough topic. But again, I think we'll bo- we're both in agreement that Gus Van Sant handled this very well. And it was more of, like, his own examination. Like, you and I could do research and, and go down these rabbit holes. Gus Van Sant, you know, well-known filmmaker at the time. The research, what I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to make a movie of It's super cool and super interesting. And it, uh, tasteful is such a bad word. I know I keep bringing that up. But it's not that so much as tasteful, but it's all with tact. I think that's a better word. The film was done with a lot of tact and a lot of... Understanding, and it's not making any statements necessarily, it's just we're showing what happened in this little moment on this particular school shooting. So, yeah, anything else you want to say, or sh- you want to plug where people can find you? So, I made a new Instagram. Oh, yeah, new little fun
0: Instagram. You can, yeah, so, so,
1: so which so the other day I saw that this, you know, this random Instagram decided to follow me. I'm like, what is this? And then I saw that you were following it. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll follow this Instagram. So tell us, tell us about this fun Instagram you have started.
0: So it's called The Action Bay, B-A-Y. And it's basically one-minute edits of my favorite action movies from the 80s, 90s, and, yeah, sure, 2000, 2010s. Any action movies with awesome theme songs. Um, and it's just little one-minute bite-sized movies, uh, movie clips that I edit, and it's just there for fun. So far, i featured Delta Force, Big Trouble in Little China, Con Air, and Commando, just to give you a taste.
1: Nice, nice. Not a lot of high school movies that fall in that genre, but high school action movies. (laughs)
0: But that's I'm sure something will come along. (laughs) you you gotta, next thing you bring me on, you gotta bring me on something that's more fun and lighthearted. We did Squid and the Whale and Elephant (laughs) back-to-back, Very true. Kind of glum sort of conversations here.
1: Well, I plan to record a lot and backlog a lot of episodes. So, as the world open up opens up a little bit, and hopefully that continues, um, I'd like to just have a little bit of a back catalog of things. I know there's a bunch that you know have your name written down for. I definitely want to get you and Chris Carroll on an episode together. I feel like I haven't done that mix. But, uh, yeah, you know, can't wait to have you on again. And hopefully, again, we'll we'll be more uplifting next time. But thanks for coming on. And as I mentioned in a tease in the outro, we're going to be watching Paranoid Park next. So definitely check that movie out. Wow. Always great talking with Danny Kim. Sobering conversation. Obviously for this movie Elephant, which we both really, really liked. But both, you know, acknowledged how hard of a movie it is. Well, we'll have him back on for something more fun and exciting next time for sure. I hope we handled that conversation with tact. I hope nothing got taken out of context. I mean, school shootings, terrible mass shootings, just breaks my heart, breaks my heart every time. So thank you, Danny, for again, divulging into that kind of topic with me here on High School Slumber Party we got to get a little less serious now because, well, what am I talking about? It's serious. It's just a different kind of serious. It's your homework for Monday. And my goodness, I'm excited for this one. The second ever edition of another spinoff we're doing here on High School Slumber Party. Remember, we're bi-weekly this month at least. Monday, though, Black Teen Experience, Kirkland Shepherd is back. And of course, on that show, we talk black teen movies and the overall black teen experience of course hence the name and you're gonna love monday's movie it is a classic in the entire genre it is a fun movie i really can't wait to talk about it it is your homework for monday and that's house party if my pops finds out i got in trouble in school today i'm definitely gonna be on punishment. Uh, there's a party tonight at Peter's house. Can I go? You're not going nowhere. Every little step you take will be around this bedroom tonight. Did you
0: hear anything about a party tonight? <laughs> uh
1: uh-uh. uh. At least not any good ones. Hello, Tawafa. Do I feel like being bothered with Tawafa? Hello, LaDonna. It's woman, it's woman, it's woman. Yo, baby, you looking real good. Step off scandalous kick it pop Uh, what you got to say now punk how much more trouble can I get into hey look I'm in prison just do me a favor don't pick up the soap wait that him. I'm gonna kill him. yo y'all look who fell into the gig Hey, this ain't so pain the two finest women in here. Now, how could a man choose? He better choose, right? Okay, so where we're on our way to? The house party. What? The house party. Jay ain't going to that damn party. That's all to it. I don't give a damn what you say. You're gonna make me a social misfit. Ooh, kid and play. Martin, the dancing. This is going to be a fun one. Monday, homework, guys. Make sure you watch it. Make sure you listen. Cageclub.me or wherever you get your Podcasts. Wow, to move from elephant <laughs> to house party? That feels a little weird. But hey, that's how we roll here in High School Slumber Party. That's how we roll. Remember guys that life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Thanks so much for sticking around for this serious conversation. Can't wait to you hear what we have coming up. Well, you already heard house party, but And you already heard Paranoid Park, because I said it in the episode. But we have such great stuff coming up this month and next month. Thank you, as always, for listening. (sighs) Crawling up into that sleeping bag. Later, dudes.
0: over. Go home. Go.